Life presents various issues with a multitude of solutions. Having issues is easy. Getting to the solutions is hard. If you're up for a good challenge, stay tuned and welcome to Qualified Issues. Welcome, I'm Carissa Galloway, and this is episode three of Qualified Issues. Today we're going to be talking about self-awareness. Now, not everybody wants self-awareness. Some people actively work to avoid it, because for some people, self-awareness can be a very scary thing. If you think about it, to be self-aware means that you are very aware of yourself. So that includes your thoughts, your feelings, your behavioral choices, your physical condition, your spiritual condition, all of those things. And within each of those elements of yourself, there might lie some past traumas. There might lie some issues that are scary or uncomfortable to look at. So when we're talking about self-awareness, if any of this is triggering, you know, make sure that you talk to a mental health professional um, or maybe skip this episode. I don't know. I really don't know. That's completely up to you. But self-awareness is super, super important. Um, This whole sort of season one that I like to call it deals with the concept of change. And you can't change if you're not self-aware. If you're not self-aware, you're not even going to know what changes, if any, that you need to make. Um, And further, you're not going to know what's going to work best for you to make those changes, get over those hurdles, get past those boundaries. So, um, this is kind of where I say self-awareness is definitely a verb. It's an ability. It's a skill. It's something that is absolutely teachable and learnable. So let's buckle up and dive right into self-awareness. So we want to start out by talking about what self-awareness is. Psychologytoday.com by Dr. Cheeky Davis in March 2019 called What is Self-Awareness and How Do You Get It? She says, quote, involves monitoring our stress, thoughts, emotions, and beliefs, end quote. On betterup.com by Meredith Betts in September 2019, titled, What is Self-Awareness and Why is it Important? She says, quote, those who are highly self-aware can interpret their actions, feelings, and thoughts objectively, end quote. And on psychcentral.com by Tasha Eichensayer in April 2022, Why It's Good for You and How to Develop It, talking about self-awareness. She says, quote, the ability to see oneself as the object of attention and awareness, end quote. To summarize, um, self-awareness is a teachable, attainable skill. This is not something that we are born with. It is something, if you look um, into lifespan development, that develops over time. And that's why uh, the parenting stage um, when your children are young is so, so important. Um, And talking about importance, let's talk about why self-awareness is important. There's effects on yourself when you have self-awareness, and there's effects on other people too. So the first uh, effect on yourself is knowing yourself. 
There's a really great article I found on today.yukon.edu by Kenneth Best from August 2018 called Know Thyself, the Philosophy of Self-Knowledge. He did an interview with philosopher Mitchell S. Green. And I just really love this um, this article because Mr. Green just touches on so many important aspects when it comes to knowing yourself, self-knowledge. So first of all, Mr. Green asserts that self-knowledge or the ability to know thyself is not an inherent trait or given ability. It is a lifelong journey and something each individual has to work on. So this echoes what I said earlier that self-awareness is not something you are born with. Mr. Green proposes that um, when he's talking about things that give you satisfaction in life, that that really should be the focus when it comes to self-knowledge, learning about yourself. Um, When he talks about things that give satisfaction in life, he says, quote, long-term projects, whether as part of one's career or post-career, tend, I think, to provide more intellectual and emotional sustenance than do the ephemeral activities such as cruises, safaris, and the like, unquote. So he's talking about lasting, meaningful things in life. And I would disagree with him that um, uh, cruises, safaris, and the like, so basically vacations, traveling the world, those kinds of experiences are are not meaningful. I do think that they can give intellectual and emotional sustenance. Um, And so you have to ask yourself, what are the lasting, meaningful things in your life? And for those of you who journaled, that is an excellent journal prompt, something to think about. Um, So he goes further on the concept of self-knowledge by talking about the messiness in life. He states, quote, I would also say in the midst of that, there is potential for learning about yourself, taking note of what didn't go well. What can I learn from that? Or that was really cool. I'd like to build on that experience and do more of it, end quote. So here we're talking about uh, taking risks Um, trying something new or different, giving yourself allowance for missteps and mistakes. But we're also talking about challenging ourselves and allowing ourselves to be part of those challenges because it's in those challenges and risks in life that we grow because we learn, as Mr. Green implies, what we like and don't like, what we are good at and where our weaknesses are, which is a really polite way of saying what we're bad at. So, um, for example... Uh, I've always wanted to learn piano, and it wasn't until about a year and a half ago where I started actually buying piano books. I have a full-size keyboard that I really love to use, and uh, I have learned a lot because I apply myself. It is very challenging, um, and it was a little risky because I like to be good at everything that I do. Um, So take a risk. Try something new. Try something different. This is a great way to learn about yourself. Uh, a very common event, this is, gets into the concept of um, it, it, within self-knowledge, uh, how you learn about yourself within social interactions. So we see this daily, especially on social media, where somebody voices a stance or an opinion um, and doesn't always have the factual information to back that up. This is where Mr. Green's assessment of self knowledge relates to the importance of continual learning. So he does talk about something Socrates said, um, which I'm just really paraphrasing here, uh, where Socrates said, basically, we don't know what we don't know. Therefore, we must ask questions. Um, There's a lot less question going on (laughs) in the world today than there was when I was younger. Um, And we do talk a lot about self-observation. And yes, that is vital to self-awareness, but so is asking questions. 
that is a great way to learn about yourself. So if you're in a social conversation of any kind, really, it's always good to kind of look back on that and say, um, was I respectful of that other person? Was I honest in what I was saying? Um, did I have the right boundaries, which we'll touch on a little bit later? Things like that so that you can self-observe and then reflect by asking those questions and you will learn a lot about yourself and maybe even about some issues or, or changes that you want to take on. So one great, this is one of my favorite um, readings. This is from Shakespeare's Hamlet. I'm sure a lot of people have heard this, the to be or not to be. It's very applicable to what we're talking about. Now, bear with me because there's at least one word in here that I have a hard time pronouncing, and I'm not completely sure what it means, but um, to be or not to be, that is the question. Whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune or to take arms against a sea of troubles and by opposing end them, to die, to sleep, no more, and by a sleep to say we end the heartache and the thousand natural shocks that flesh is heir to, tis a consummation devoutly to be wished. To die, to sleep, to sleep, perchance to dream, ay, there's the rub, for in that sleep of death what dreams may come, when we have shuffled off this mortal coil, must give us pause, there's the respect that makes calamity of so long life. For who would bear the whips and scorns of time? The oppressor's wrong, the, proud's man, the proud man's contumely, the pangs of despised love, the law's delay, the insolence of office and the spurns that patient merit of the unworthy takes, when he himself might his quietus make with a bare bodkin? Who would fartles bear to grunt and sweat under a worry life, but that the dread of something after death, the undiscovered country from whose born no traveler returns, puzzles the will and makes us rather bear those ills we have than to fly to others that we know not of? Thus conscience does make conscience does make us make cowards of us all. And thus the native hue of resolution is sickled o'er with the pale cast of thought and enterprises of great pith and moment. With this regard, their currents turn awry and lose the name of action. Soft you now, the ferrophilia nymph in my orisons, be all my sins remembered. So if you go through and either listen to me read this again, which I wouldn't recommend, um, or you go and find it on the internet and read it yourself slowly, there's a lot of good thought-provoking statements in this soliloquy. I would posit that while asking questions to gather facts is, an, is important when attempting to make um, any kind of opinion or public stance, it's far more important to ask yourself questions to make decisions about who you are and further who you want to be, which relates to identity. And when I talk about identity, I am not talking about any, um, you know, gender identity, um, uh, anything like that. I am talking about who you are as a person. Uh, finally, Mr. Green, he talks about appraisal. Appraisal is so, so important. So it's easy for us to look at ourselves and say, I'm a nice person. I am a hard worker. I do this or that well. It's a lot more difficult to take appraisal from someone else. Another word for appraisal here would be constructive criticism. So 
Mr. Green points out this type of appraisal can be extremely beneficial. And we call this feedback. That's another word, feedback or constructive criticism, like I said earlier. If you don't know what that is, it's when somebody lovingly or kindly tells you that you have or you are doing something wrong or erroneous, that you need to change a behavior that's harmful to you or someone else. Everyone has encountered this. For example, childhood. Parents are the optimal external appraisal machine. Not all are. Some parents don't do it. And not all do it well. Ask yourself how well you, though, handle external appraisal, whether via an internal response or external response or internal or external reaction. And we'll kind of go over the differences of response and reaction in a bit here. So another benefit to yourself of having self-awareness is identifying issues and changes that you might need to make. So to identify those, sometimes we are not our own best critic. Sometimes we need that external appraisal of somebody saying, you know, this seems to be an issue for you, or you might want to think about changing that behavior because it's ruining your relationships, right? So within the idea of identifying present issues, there is a need for external appraisal. It's also going to be more objective. And let's just very briefly go over the differences between drama, trauma, and issues. Drama with a D, trauma and issues. Because the goal here is to identify issues. If you've had trauma, I strongly encourage you to find a mental health professional to talk to. But Everybody has issues. Everybody does. And so these are things that we want to identify. Now, trauma is something that is on, it's your, part of your ongoing narrative. It's part of your ongoing story. And the effects of trauma usually are lifelong. Now, they can decrease, of course, especially when you get some help. Um, but when we're talking about drama with the D though, these are usually things that are exaggerated issues. We've heard the phrase, I don't want any drama in my life. Keep that drama away from me. Um, so it's usually an issue that's been exaggerated to the point where someone might be acting as if it is a trauma, trauma with a T. So the goal here is to identify issues. For example, are you late to work every day? Well, you might need that external appraisal from the roommate who says, well, the reason you're late is because your alarm doesn't go off. You're, you're not setting your alarm. That might be a change you want to make. And some people might get very, very upset about that and take that issue and say, oh, well, you know, my roommate said this to me. So there now we have an example of drama with a D. So, but identifying the issue of, you know what, I do need to be better at setting my alarm uh, it, you know, before I go to bed so I can wake up on time, get ready on time, be to work on time. So this does relate to, to the very uh, first podcast about changes where I talked about the trans theoretical model of change. That's a podcast you can go back and listen to, to get a brief summary of that. You can also look that up online. Um, so when the roommate has said this to you about, you need to, um, you know, consider setting your alarm clock before you go to bed. At that point, you're probably in what we call contemplation stage where you're like thinking about maybe I really do need to set my alarm. And then you might be making some, um, some preparatory, um, 
items on a list or something. Well, you know, I'm going to brush my teeth, wash my face, and then set my alarm. And then the action stage is you're going to set your alarm. Um, and then you're going to maintain that by uh, maybe having your roommate remind you every night for a little while. And then there's the sixth stage, which is termination. And maybe you don't need her to remind you anymore because you've got this. So identifying issues. Another great thing to do um, I don't have an example right now, but if you take a more serious issue and you realize that there's a potential change that needs to be, um, that needs to happen there, you can also do what's called a cost benefit analysis. And this is where you're going to, you're going to weigh the pros and cons of, of the, the change. So if you're in the the prep stage, the preparing stage of um, change, and you're considering maybe there's several different ways to affect that change, then you might want to just make a really simple graph. You know, you write down each of your solutions to make that change happen. And for each of the solutions, you're going to write down the pros and the cons. You know, what do those outcomes look like for each of those possible solutions? So that's a really great way to identify not just so you identified your issue, the change that needs to be made, and now you're going to identify the solution, uh, how you're going to make that change happen. Um, a third really positive effect of self-awareness on yourself is knowing what works best for you to overcome barriers and hurdles. So you can look back at your past to identify barriers, barriers and hurdles that you've already overcome and just think about how you did that. And maybe that's something you can repeat again. Another really great option is to read stories of other people who overcame similar or even more challenging barriers and hurdles or who resolved issues you are looking to resolve in your own life. And that's a really great learning tool. A fourth benefit of having self-awareness for yourself is identifying boundaries that you need. And the fifth one would be knowing how to implement, implement those chosen boundaries. So when you're identifying boundaries that you need, do your homework. Um, again, read stories from other people. There's a lot of types of boundaries, both internal and external out there. And, you know, boundaries, remember, they help mitigate both internal and external factors that may inhibit your pathway to change. So when I'm talking about factors, I'm talking about uh, barriers and hurdles. And remember that your way of implementing a chosen boundary is not going to be the same as someone else's way of implementing a, the same boundary. For example, someone may have a relational boundary with a sibling and choose not to talk to them at all. Someone else may have a relational boundary with a sibling and choose to engage with that sibling, but only under certain circumstances. Um, and you may have to quote unquote, try on different boundaries and implementation methods before knowing what works for you. Um, again, you can look at your past too, to see what has worked for you in the past if you've worked, uh, used that boundary before. So let's move on to the effects on other people. Uh, first, we want to talk about social interactions because relationships are good for us as long as the relationship is a good relationship, right? Um, we want to talk about the reactions versus responses for yourself. So first of all, reactions require no thought. These are usually emotionally driven words and behaviors. A response allows for thoughtful processing and statements or questions. It might include just agreeing to disagree or just smiling, saying okay, and walking away. 
Um, so when we go back to asking yourself a question within the context of a social interaction, um, whether that's just with an acquaintance, a stranger, or someone you're in a relationship with, um, ask yourself, am I reacting or am I responding? It's very, very important to know the difference between those two and to know, learning to be self-aware here, to know if that's what you're doing with one or many people. Um, and then you also, as you become more self-aware, you're going to be able to recognize possible reactions or responses in other people. So if someone is taking some time to respond, he or she may be thoughtfully considering the best way to state what they're thinking, what they're feeling. And that's okay. I personally, if I'm interacting with somebody, I would rather have someone respond to me than react to me. And remember, a reaction is not a reaction simply because you do not agree with it. Observe others the way you observe yourself within the act of self-awareness. Is the way this person behaves out of line with maturity expectations? In other words, are they acting like a 20-year-old? Like, you know, like you would expect a 20-year-old to act. Is the 60-year-old in your life acting like the 60-year-old's, you know, how you would expect a six-year-old to act. If they are acting immaturely and it's an obvious reaction instead of a response, this might call for a polite exit on your part to avoid further mental or emotional disruption to either of you. Civil relationships and communications are not built on reactions. I'm going to say that again. Civil relationships and communications are not built on reactions. And finally, remember, everyone has a story. Um, everybody's story is different. And we don't always know if the person we are interacting with is going through something that is influencing a reaction instead of a response. So be kind, be tolerant. But at the same time, do not allow someone else's reaction to thwart your relational boundaries. So we're going to move on to identifying possible emotions and perspectives of others. This is another um, benefit of uh, self-awareness for you, but in recognizing and dealing with other people. So here's a few good ways to help you identify possible, and emotions, uh, possible emotions and perspectives of others. First of all, reflective listening. So if you're in a conversation with somebody, and sometimes this is hard for people because we all kind of have our own agenda, especially in a conversation, especially if it's a contentious conversation, if you're in a debate, you know, we're kind of already planning what our next statement's going to be, our next move is going to be. But it's super important, not just for the other person, but for you to make sure you understand someone else's perspective, because that's going to help you frame your argument or your response to them. Um, reflective listening is where you're going to let the other person finish talking and then you're going to repeat back um, saying something like, that sounds frustrating, that sounds exciting. Um, and you might even paraphrase within that. So what I heard you say is this, and that sounds really, really joyful for you or that sounds really scary for you. Okay, so that's number one, uh, one good tool. The second tool I would say is respect. So I want to go back to what I said earlier. Civil relationships and communications are not built on reactions. If you're reacting, 
it's disrespectful because you're not giving the other person a chance to really know who you are within that reaction. You're giving them a chance to know how you're feeling for sure. Um, but uh, how you would respond, they don't know. So you want to make sure that you have respect for other people, even if you disagree with them. Um, make sure that you speak with tolerance, acceptance, and love. And by acceptance, I'm not saying that you have to agree with everything that everybody else says. Um, but I am definitely saying that to speak with this, this air of I accept what you're saying. I'm hearing what you're saying and I'm listening to what you're saying. I love you as a human being, right? I am, I, I am tolerating what you're saying. I'm listening to what you're saying. Because remember, we get what we give. You want to treat your neighbors. You want to be treated. And thoughtful responses give you the chance to ask if this is how you would want to be treated. So Basically, what all that means is how we treat other people is our way of teaching other people how to treat us. Now, not everybody's going to do that, of course. We could be sweet as pie, and some people are just going to be plain mean to us. Um, we could, on the flip side, be a little nasty, and somebody might still choose to be sweet as pie to us. So it all comes down to individual choices. However, remember that you are modeling to other people how you want to be treated. All right, moving on. We want to talk about um, measuring self-awareness. So there, we're going to talk about the effectiveness of your own self-awareness. Okay, So this is a peer-reviewed article called Measuring the Effects of Self-Awareness, Construction of the Self-Awareness Outcomes Questionnaire. This is by Anna Sutton in Europe's Journal of Psychology in November 2016. So they give a few distinctions here um, and some uh, definitions. Two distinctions, situational self-awareness and dispositional self-awareness. They say situational self-awareness is, quote, an automatic process by which we compare our current actions to our internalized standards, making changes where necessary to reduce inconsistency, end quote. In other words, we actively and intentionally work to hold our speech, behaviors, and choices up to our own personal standards. And this kind of touches on something I'm going to mention in a little bit called the moral compass. Um, the second one, dispositional self-awareness is, quote, the trait-like tendency for an individual to focus on and reflect on their own psychological processes and inner experiences as well as their relationships to others. This, to me, comes along uh, across as more of a reflective um, part of self-awareness. So, in other words, the view of your thoughts, feelings, and how others may view your you from your perspective your internal appraisal, which may be biased based on past experiences and beliefs, et cetera. Okay, so that's, that's what I hear them talking about. All right, and then we're going to talk about the factors um, that they talk about in this article when it comes to um, measuring self-awareness. So they have four, uh, insight, reflection, rumination, and mindfulness. And I'm just going to go over their definitions of these. Um, insight, they call, quote, the clarity of understanding, 
unquote. Uh, to kind of paraphrase that is uh, the light bulb or aha moment. So maybe you've had a repeated behavior and you don't understand why people don't like it. And then one day it kind of clicks in your head and you're like, oh, aha, I got it. That would be insight. Reflection, they say, is, quote, the openness to experience trait and represents a tendency to reflect objectively. So this goes back to asking yourself some questions, you know. Um, So what was that behavior that I was doing? Um, Why was I doing that? So you've had your light bulb moment. You understand what the behavior is. And now you want to ask yourself, why am I doing that? How do I keep myself from doing that? How do I make that change? Um, so this is to also in reflection is to think about something in a critical manner. And by critical, I don't mean solely negative, rather, I mean, allowing all angles of perspective to help shape the view of whatever you are thinking about. So maybe you learned that behavior from a parent. Um, and that's, you know, oh man, that, that's so bad blah, blah, blah. But maybe it was also a protective factor for you. Maybe that was something, a coping mechanism, which um, in mental health, we say those are unhealthy, but maybe that was a coping mechanism that you had your whole childhood and you realize, well, that protected me back then. Okay. But now I'm ready to, to change that behavior because I don't want my relationships to keep being ruined. The third, uh, Uh, measurement that they use is rumination, which they say, quote, a tendency to focus on negative self-perception and emotions, end quote. In other words, your thoughts are hyper-focused. Remember, we talked about focused in the previous podcast. Uh, Your thoughts are hyper-focused on yourself in a very bad light while allowing those negative feelings attached to those thoughts to persist without a fight from you. So, you're thinking about, uh, you again, let's go back. We've recognized the behavior that we don't want. We're asking ourselves questions about it. Well, instead of having a uh, mixed positive and negative assessment reflection on that behavior, perhaps you are stuck on the negative and you're thinking of yourself, oh, because I do that behavior, I'm a very bad person. And we're just kind of stuck feeling depressed and our self-esteem is low. So that's kind of an example of rumination. Uh, the fourth measurement that they use is mindfulness, which they say is, quote, attention to an awareness of the present moment which does not seek to react to or classify experience, end quote. So we kind of touched on this in the last podcast, and I said it was about being invested in the here and now, the present moment. This definition from this article seems to be talking about not overanalyzing or overthinking while you are in the moment. There's definitely a time and place for that. I would say this is along the lines of reflection, and reflection is typically not something you do while you're in the moment. So mindfulness is more about being in the moment. So for example, you're going to meet someone for coffee and you're ruminating on doubts, you're planning in detail how you want to uh, the meeting to go or you think it should go. And this can happen with anxiety as well, which I'll probably go into in another podcast. But that's a really good example of what they're saying is not mindfulness. Mindfulness is not ruminating on doubt, planning in detail, how you want the meeting to go while you're in the meeting. You know, you're in the meeting and you're invested in the relationship with that other person. You're curious about them. You are thoughtfully responding. 
Okay, we're going to move on now. So we're going to talk about how to get, increase, and maintain self-awareness. Now, how to get it and increase it and maintain it. There's a lot of similarities here, um, but then I also throw in a couple of my own um, suggestions. So uh, the articles that I kind of went through, um, and if you listen to the last podcast, you know I did the same thing where I read about three different articles on how to decrease hyperfocus, increase focus, and I kind of went through all of them and um, was able to to dwindle it down from like 20 tips to like 15. I did the same thing here. Um, so I went through the Psychology Today article I mentioned earlier, the Psych Central article I mentioned earlier, and then I went to positivepsychology.com uh, to an article called What is Self-Awareness Plus Five Ways to Be More Self-Aware by Courtney E. Ackerman in April 2020. So let's go through these. The first one mentioned is walking. There was an emphasis um, in walking in a quiet area, uh, you know, specifically around nature. Um, and if you remember back to the Focus podcast, um, immersing yourself in nature, connecting with nature was a way to increase focus and even decrease hyperfocus. Um, so this is kind of a twofold way to um, give yourself some improvements, right? We can work on focus issues as well as uh, self-awareness. The second one is mindfulness, and the third one is meditation, and we've been over both of those in the last podcast, so I'm not really going to go into those. Um, uh, somebody did suggest daily check-ins. This was through Ackerman's article on positivepsychology.com. Um, now, daily check-ins are not possible for everybody. Uh, I have kids. A lot of you have kids. Some of you have very busy work schedules. You might have a lot of pets. Um, you might have a very needy pet. You know, so you're busy. You're you're very busy. So if you can't do a daily check-in maybe a weekly check-in or even if you have to a monthly check-in, that is okay too. Uh, the check-ins are basically for you to ask yourself, um, going back to what Mr. Green said, asking yourself questions. Um, what did I like? What did I not like about my day, my week, or my month? What did I do well? What could I improve on? Uh, are there any risks or challenges that I faced that I avoided? How do I not avoid those in the future? Are they worth avoiding? So a whole bunch of questions you can ask yourself about your day, your week, your month when you do these check-ins. Um, the fifth one here was writing. It could be writing, writing in a diary, journaling. I would even posit it could be creative writing. Uh, writing is a really great way to empty your brain, especially for those ADHD people out there where your brain just feels like it's going a mile a minute. Uh, you feel like you have so many ideas. Writing it down is a really great way to get it out of your head on paper so that that way it's not, um, uh, you know, overwhelming you like a two-year-old poking you in the shoulder for 30 minutes, you know. Instead, you still own it, but it's out of your head. Um, so that gives your brain a little bit of peace there. Um, but writing down and when you do your daily or monthly or weekly check-ins, you could write stuff down too. Uh, if you were walking and thought of something, if you do mindfulness activities, meditation activities, writing, writing, writing is an excellent way. I do have one, uh, suggestion that I did get from a client on this though. If you don't like to write, sometimes a video diary or journal, uh, just on your phone is a really great way to unload all of that to um, maybe gain some insight uh, into your own self-awareness. 
The second to last thing on this list of suggestions of how to get increased, maintain self-awareness is listening, 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 be an intentional, involved, invested, active listener. This relates to feedback among other things. If you are not actively listening and hearing what somebody else is saying, there's some information you can miss out on. Uh, Information could be about learning about yourself, learning about the other person, which provides insight and then later allows you to reflect and identify any possible issues and changes. So you kind of see the domino effect that's going on here. Um, So the very last thing here is feedback. Feedback, like we said earlier, relates to appraisal. There's internal appraisal, so internal feedback, where maybe you say something, it's more of a a knee-jerk reaction instead of a response, and maybe your internal appraisal says, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. That was not good. Um, And then there's the external feedback, the external appraisal, where maybe you've said something wrong and somebody pulls you aside and said, dude, that was not good. That was not okay. No, 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 we we can't do that again. Okay, so feedback, that is very important, not just for getting, but remember increasing and I would argue maintaining self-awareness. And then I also have two personal suggestions. Um, so there was, uh, there's a podcast that I listen to from time to time called From Borderline to Beautiful by Rose Skeeters. And she talks about the moral compass. Uh, the moral compass is where you're going to list out your values and you're going to be somewhat specific. You're not just going to say, uh, one of my values would be, well, I just want to be honest. Okay. That's very vague, right? We want something more specific. And Rose does a really excellent job about going into this in more, um, uh, specifics. Um, but I, I want to be honest to myself and other people in everything that I do. That would be more specific. And the goal of that is so that when you go out and you feel like telling a lie, whether out of fear or embarrassment or whatever, you know, the goal is to remember that value and to say, you know what, I am not going to go against my values. So I'm, I'm going to tell the truth. And speaking of honesty, uh, my other suggestion is to be honest with yourself and with other people about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, this is a really great way not only to improve and maintain your self-awareness, but also to get that feedback that also helps you get, improve, um, or sorry, increase and maintain self-awareness. Part of maintaining also is to continue doing the things that helped you gain and increase your self-awareness in the first place. Another great way to maintain self-awareness, because these are all kind of self-care activities. So I would say to maintain self-awareness, do some self-care. Do things that you enjoy and that are rewarding. Um, More specific to self-awareness, choose activities that allow you to decrease any hyper-focus, fixation, or ruminations you may be experiencing. If you allow yourself to be hyper-focused or fixated or ruminate about very negative things about yourself, the world, or other people, that is not going to help you become self-aware because when you're working on self-awareness, yes, you're going to have some subjectivity there. What you think is going on, right? Issues you might need to know, um, so that you can fix and change them. Um, but you're not going to have a whole lot of objectivity there. So try to make sure that you're choosing activities that help you Again, decrease hyperfocus, fixation, or ruminations. Now, there are some barriers to self-awareness. 
And I found this on the positivepsychology.com article I mentioned earlier. And these are, number one, lack of mindfulness. So if you are not mindful of what you're doing in the here and now, if you're not invested in your present moment, that's going to be really hard for you to reflect on later. So try to be aware, mindful, like what grandma used to say, mind your manners, okay? Mind your behavior, mind your speech, be aware of. Um, The second thing mentioned on here is cognitive bias. Um, I'm going to kind of whittle that down to um, just bias. You know, we all have biases. Uh, A lot of it is based off of our past experiences, our beliefs, our perspectives, the way we were raised. Um, Being self-aware means being aware of those biases too. And cognitive biases, if you have those, I would say to a certain level, that can really impair your ability to be self-aware. So uh, trying to learn about those and this is where it goes into the third one, an unwillingness to seek feedback. Uh, we need feedback sometimes to, like I said earlier, learn about your issues, but also to learn about any biases that maybe you don't see. We want that objective feedback um, so that we can learn about those biases as well. And if you have an unwillingness to seek feedback, you're not going to learn about those things. Therefore, you can't fix them. You can't change them. Nothing you can do about it. Uh, the fourth barrier to self-awareness listed in this article was confirmation bias. Uh, a really great um, example of confirmation bias, I believe it was in the article uh, where the author was interviewing Mr. Green, uh, where the professor grades all these papers, but the only ones that he truly remembers are the ones who got a good grade. Okay, so that's confirmation bias. We're only focused on the positive. Now, focusing on positive things is not a bad thing. However, we are not going to be able to grow and change and learn if we also don't at least look at negative things, hard things in our lives. Uh, And the last thing that they mention here is remembering instead of experiencing ourselves. So let's say that we had a really great childhood and now we're a young adult and we're facing some really big challenges. Um, We're kind of forced to choose whether or not to take a risk. Um, If we're only remembering our wonderful childhood, if we're only remembering how great our parents said that we were, um, we're not going to be able to experience ourselves in the here and now. So this is remembering yourself versus experiencing yourself is actually going to limit your ability to identify issues and changes that may need to happen. And remember, self-awareness is a lifelong learning. It is not something you're born with. It's not something your parents can give you as a gift. It's not something Santa brings down the chimney. This is something that everybody works on and needs to work on their entire life. So if there's anything that you missed in the podcast, of course, feel free to go back and re-listen to it. Always do your own research. Um, Remember, podcasts are never a substitute for actual therapy with a mental health professional. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email me at fortheloveoftherapy at gmail.com. That's fortheloveoftherapy at gmail.com. Again, I'm Carissa Galloway. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join me next time on Qualified Issues. (laughs) Thank you.